Okay, here's what John says about sexual blind people again. He says, even if they're charismatic, attractive, and likable, this inadequate attention to self-expression can result in feeling unremarkable, even bland, as though people like them, but no one really chooses them. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to Not My Type. It's another episode here with Jack and Malia. No guests today, so I hope we will suffice. But we are continuing our conversation about the instincts that we had last week. Um, frankly, I deemed it exhilarating. So I hope you enjoyed yourselves <laughs> listening. If you didn't hear part one, go back, listen to it. Um, but yeah, we're talking more about the blind spot um, instinct and how that affects us. Again, the dominant instinct, what that means. There's honestly so much to unpack here that we probably won't even be able to get a tenth into today, but we have mm. more to say. So buckle up. Malia, say hi. I've been talking the whole time. Hello. In the middle of the break, um, I have since got myself a cup of tea. So a cup of tea. So uh, <laughs> you you can tell who's self bred here and who's not. <laughs> Yeah, that was so funny. Okay, so for context, it's like 15 minutes later for us that Malia literally put it to a halt because she was like, I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm hungry too. And then <laughs> and then we departed. But it was just very fitting and to our conversation. Um, but I had a question like 20 minutes ago in our time. I wanted to ask Malia, I wanted to read a little bit. So we're, we're reading from a little bit from John Lukovich's book, The Instinctual Drives and the Enneagram. Um, He's a lot of good stuff, but something I wanted to read is a little bit more from his section on what it is to be sexual blind, um, because Malia here is a resident sexual blind individual. So I thought she would. <laughs> um, <clears throat> here's a little bit of what John says about sexual blindness. Whereas sexual dominant types become identified with their display. Many sexual blind spot types can avoid fully articulating these kinds of projects and talents, which might otherwise be personally enjoyable and rewarding if they could be given their due. This doesn't mean they're not unique mm. or interesting, but they often hide something about themselves so as not to be off-putting or offensive to others. All this has the effect of tamping down something essential about the way their life force is expressed and how they recognize a kind of vibrancy and attractiveness in themselves. They can rationalize downplaying their flavor in believing they are being considerate of other people. Mm. Um, well, there's that Ooh. about that specifically because there's um, there's more coming. Really? Oh, that was that was good enough to be painful. <laughs> okay, well, let's pause pause there and talk about it. What's painful about it? Uh, wow. Well, I feel like this isn't even a hard question to to talk about, or like just this is a hard statement to, to comment on because it, it in trying to comment, I would have to then talk about things I often tamper down and it's very uncomfortable. Um, and so I guess, I mean, you know me very, very well. I feel like I'm not a, I'm not an, um, a dull person, you know? So it's not like I no, no. Am, am completely ununique, undull, like dull or, or whatever. It's not like I'm completely tampered. Um, However, I, and, and maybe you could speak to like, do you see these things in me? I would be very interested to hear. Um, okay. But, what are these things? Talk to me. Well, yeah. Um, but I, I do find myself like strategically withholding 
information or or pieces about my life because I find them interesting or I find them um I find them like yeah it's hard to that's hard to verbalize but I strategically withhold them because I don't want to come off as as showy I don't want to come off as like and now we want to talk about this um and 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 I see this really a really easy example to think about is um traveling like I know tons of people who have done like triple the amount of traveling I've done um and all respect to them I love listening to them um when I'm with a group of of people who have done minimal to no traveling it's just something I I care deeply about and I don't talk about because I know that this that maybe even if this like to the point where I will tell a funny story that happened in a very in- interesting place and I'll leave out the location because I know that it will divert the conversation and I don't want to di- divert the conversation or make it seem like about me or about traveling or whatever, but I'll just tell people like, you know, you know, one, one summer I was, I was working in, um, in London and I get back to America and everyone's like, what did you do this summer? And I would just say, Oh, I, I like had an internship and people, some people wouldn't ask. And I'd be like, okay, great. They didn't ask. Um, because then if you're like, Oh, what'd you do? I'd be like, Oh, I worked for so-and-so. And then they'd say, Oh, where was it? And then I would be like, okay, fine. It was in England. And then everyone would be like, Oh, what? And then we'd stop the conversation. And then it was all about me. And I just like hated I hated that. And especially with the comments that came with that of like, usually when you're talking about travel, somebody like brings up a distant relative that was in the same location at one point for like a week. And you're like, great. <laughs> it's just, it's just a weird thing to talk about. And so I find myself like not talking about those experiences unless I know the other person has had equal or greater experiences than I have. Um, because then I feel like, oh, I am in debt to you and I want to learn from you kind of thing. I feel very uncomfortable if it's like I'm trying – it's if I make it sound like I'm trying to like boast or or put myself ahead or make everyone think – talk about me or look at me or whatever. It just – and those are pieces of my my life and my story that I – really love that they are a part of who I am. And I, I absolutely think that they make me who I am. And, and I, and I would say that I, I think I am rather unique and have my own flavor to me, but, um, but that's not something that I like to tell people. It's something I, I like wait for people to find out if that makes sense. And people often do find out and, and, you know, I've been, I, as many times as I've moved around or gone to different places or different cultures, like I've been, I've been, maybe this just appeases my coping method, but I've been happy to find out that I'm pretty consistent and people say the same things about me and I didn't have to tell them, you know, this is who I am. It's like, Oh, you're, you're very much like this. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, but I do struggle with like, I can't bring those things up. It's not even that I'm doing it out of the kindness of my heart. It's just like, it is a it's a reverse humility pride because I'm thinking about it even if I'm not saying it. 
I had never thought of like travel experience as something that could be like a sexual accessory, but you're kind of right that like it is like, like being well-traveled mm. is a form of, of like, this is something that should make you attracted to me. Like this mm. should make you esteem me as like someone interesting. And I've like touched other cultures. You don't, it's like, there's something it's exotic. About it's it. exciting. It's thrilling. Yeah. yeah. That was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I did not expect that. I did not expect that to be what you're going to talk about, but that was really intriguing. Okay. So something I wanted to ask about um, additionally is mm-hmm. some, where John talks, the, ne- the next paragraph here, mm, right. something that when we first read through it, you went, mm. so I just wanted to sort of hear a month later, what's your reaction to the, mm. um, okay, here's what John says about sexual blind people again. He says, even if they're charismatic, attractive, and likable, this inadequate attention to self-expression can result in feeling unremarkable, even bland, as though people like them, but no one really chooses them. They can begin to believe they lacked lack personal magnetism, even if it's more of a result of hiding themselves than any real actual deficiency. There can be a deep but unconscious wounding in sexual blinds of feeling unwanted, unchosen, undesired, whether or not there's any objective truth to this. They may deal with this vulnerability by rendering anything related to attraction chemistry as explicitly rooted in the sexual act. Therefore, this can lead to a frigid attitude towards sexuality and attraction, or on the other hand, sexual blinds may be sexually promiscuous in a way that jumps over their vulnerabilities connected to the feeling that no one would truly desire them. (laughs) Gross. Um, Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that about, that's, that's about the same as before. Um, Yeah, this, this is really, um, this is a really rough one to answer and probably people who are sexual blind right now are probably feeling the same way where it's it's like that is almost a reality that we've come to terms with that it's it's okay that that's true and and um that there are those people and it don't it's almost like that's the way i hear it talked about like those people those girls those guys it's like they have this magnetism and they have this extra thing that that we don't have and so it's like it doesn't matter how cool i am how great i am how whatever it's like people love having us as accessories but no one would choose us as like the if there was only that they would be okay with that you know or like we're a good appetizer or a good side dish but we're not a great entree you know, like no one would be like, yep, this is it. I'm going to be great if this is the only thing. Um, and in a lot of ways, like I've never, I, it's, it's only until recently that I've actually been like realizing that I don't like that, you know, like for so long, it was like, yeah, that's just the way it is. That's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. I, and I've almost prided myself on being the really awesome accessory or the really fun, like connector of people like even in that way you're like i'm not a person i just connect people to people or i'm the best third wheel or i'm a great matchmaker or i'm a great best friend or i'm a great you know and so in a way you're kind of like building yourself up with all of these things that really aren't true because you can be great at all of those things but you're neglecting the fact that you are involved in your own world and you are an agent 
Well, and you're not, it's not even that, it's not even like defying your agency. It's defying like how you express yourself in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Malia is still Malia and you're still, like you said, like you're a sister, you're a friend, you're all these things, but like, mm-hmm. but there's no like advertising. You know what I'm saying? There's no Malia advertising. Like, let me display mm-hmm. um, what makes me unique and special and attractive and all these things. And I feel like, <clears throat> Anna and I are probably really interesting illustrations of, of, um, of sexual blind because. For those of you, I'm interrupting just to say, for those of you who don't know, Anna, um, she's my girlfriend. She is social self-pres, um, nine to six. So very sweet, gentle cinnamon roll kind of personality. And also very spunky, you know, and, and, and also yeah. for those of you who don't know, Anne and I roomed together for two years and she's one of my best friends. And so like us together are very, we're very bold, very loud in both our our presence in some ways and also in our outfits, like in, uh, in the way that we carry ourselves sometimes because we both just like, we love people. We, we are, we just like vibe off of each other in, in like this very confident way. Um, but I don't think either of us would, would be like, oh, they're very flirtatious or they're very like, you know, showy or they're very like, you know, that kind of way. And I would not say that about ourselves. Like, I wouldn't say that we are ostentatious in any intentional way. Um, and maybe you knowing both of us could, could speak better to that. Like, I don't know how I come off, but my intention is never to come off like that. It's actually the, uh, the, the, um, opposite. Like my weirdness is only to make other people feel more normal, you know, in a kind of a weird way. Yeah. I feel like the, the, like you and Anna, like, okay. Malia and Anna both love to wear like fun, spunky clothing. Like they both love to thrift like this weekend, the day that Anna and I went to visit Malia, Anna wore these pants that she had thrifted that were like bright blue, like they were like turquoise jeans with like really colorful flowers all over them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, sort of like, like the design looked sort of childlike in that way. Like, and very like 70s, as if a child, yeah, you know? very seventies. Like, yeah, good point. It's like, it's like just craziness, just cute, fun, silly pants, whatever. But mm-hmm. the point is like to Anna, that's never, that's never like, I shouldn't say never, but like what I would presume for her being sexual blind is that it's not a form of like, let me advertise why I'm more interesting than you. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's not like any sort of fanning her feathers kind of thing. It's just like, a, Oh, these were cute. And I love them, you know? Right. Right. But, but like, I, and I think that's the thing is that like people who are sexual blind, it doesn't mean they can't be interesting. doesn't mean they can't do things that make them stand out, but it's like the standing out has no intention of like a, I want to be noticed and be seen as attractive and like, a, mm. Oh wow. That person is, is different. And they have this it factor. Like, like the sexual instinct is what creates the it factor desire really Mm -hmm. like like you can have someone who's really charming and sweet and likable but like the sexual instinct is what's going to give that feeling of like oh like just like you were describing like there are always those guys and those girls that like have the it factor and the it factor is like functionally the sexual instinct of course it's not always but like yeah and and i think the way i see it is almost like the it factor is that they know what what's going on you know it's like i don't know what's going on if if and, and Anna as well, like if someone were to be like, oh, this is like, you are my choice. It's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's very disorienting. That's very like, 
affronting almost like, like, um, I don't even know that, that I'm in your thought, you know, uh, to, uh, to other people. So it's kind of weird when you're not just like, people are happy to have you around, but people sought you out. There's a difference and I'm not aware of that. And it feels like when, when people with, who are, you know, sexual dominant or just like it's in their top two, if they're chosen, it's like, uh, like I, I see this in a lot of people. They're not surprised. They're like, oh yeah, this will happen. Or, oh, I'm not surprised yeah, because that I that earned happened. it. That's what it was. Yeah. It's like so weird to me. Like, how are you that it's, confident it's, well, that that's very... going to happen or that, or that they feel that way towards you or that they see you like that? Like, that's so strange to me. Well, I think that's the thing is that like sexual isn't just a, it's not just the instinct for like displaying yourself. It's also the instinct for reading other people's responses to your display. You know what I'm saying? And so like part of part of the blind spot is that we are like functionally illiterate in that language. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, we don't know how yeah, to read, yeah. read the signs. So like someone who's sexual blind doesn't, it's like, like what you're saying is so sexual blind and you don't even see it as sexual blind. Like you saying mm. like, how do you know? Like, how do you know that they're into you that way? Like the sexual instinct tells you, you know what I'm saying? Like you pick yeah. up on like what they're, what they're like putting down, you know what I'm saying? And I guess something that I was thinking about is like, Anna with Anna and I were reminiscing this weekend about like when I was first pursuing her and she like finally was like when she finally realized that I was into her mm -hmm. she like took a walk like she took like a three-hour walk where she didn't talk to anyone she just like walked by herself and like prayed and like tried to figure out like am I into Jack like do I like him does he like me like just like like the point was she was like trying to mentally figure out what was going on right whereas for me there was there was no mentalization it was just like i just knew i was into her you know like the sexual instinct is like it told mm -hmm. me in a way whereas like for her it was like i mean it makes me think of what john wrote right here that i actually conveniently have underlined that's kind of funny um <laughs> he's he talks about sexual blind and says things they pursue with great intensity often require a lot of mental rationalization and a clear sense of where and how it fits into their life as a way to circumvent the sexual drive mm -hmm. and like that that's sort of exactly like what anna was talking about is like she had to figure out like does jack fit into my life and to me it's like it, it doesn't matter if like someone fits or doesn't fit into my life like if if i want them i make a space for them in my life like it's literally like like literally like if, it, if it's like someone to be, okay to be honest like i don't even know how to describe it but like if i like even just this weekend like there was we came to visit you malia mm -hmm. and um that one friend that you introduced me to that you live with this summer that I was talking about. I was like, oh, I really love her. Like mm -hmm. the point was like, obviously I'm not sexually intrigued with like, like I'm not trying to actually like pursue her or anything. Like she's dating someone, I'm dating someone, but like we clicked. And that's mm -hmm. the point is that like, we only talked for like a second, but there was a spark and, mm -hmm. a, and a spark of like, oh, there's interest here. There's potential. And so like, like immediately my brain starts thinking like, mm, how could I get to know her better? Like, how could we build a real friendship? Mm -hmm. And so of course, like some of that social, but also the, the feeling of like, when I leave that space, it's like, who did I click with? It's not like, based on like, I'm not making that based on a social categorization of like, who did I share most in common with? It's like, who did I feel that spark with? We're like, we're bouncing off of each other and like the vibes are great and there's chemistry there. Like, it's not like, like where it's like, oh, this person's really intriguing and I can feel they're, they're invested in me. And like, we're doing that sort of locked eyes kind of thing. Right. And that I'm so glad you brought up the whole like illiteracy thing, because I think that's such a better way to explain social and to explain blind spots is that there is no reading the signs. Like even for self-pres blind, you don't read the signs of when you're hungry. Like they're just, they're, you just don't see them. And for social blind, like you don't see social cues. 
you know, but for sexual blind, it's very much like you don't see those signs either. And even if they were there, you don't know how to read them. And so you're going to take that language and try and interpret it with your own language that you know. So when I am like, when you're trying to interpret something, you interpret it in, for me, the social lens or the self-present lens. Like there's not a situation in which I will first try and interpret it into the sexual lens because I am not literate in that area. Like a great example is when people are into each other, I can't even tell. <laughs> like, I'm just like, wow, they're really great friends. You know, it's like, I can't even conceive of that. It, it, and of course, like eventually I can catch on, but it takes me way longer than pretty much everyone. And I almost have to be told this is what's going on. You know, it's, it's, that's how blind I am. And, and to like, it's just funny to contrast it because to me, it's like, I, part of this is tuitionist as well, but like I literally my entire life, my entire like semi-adult teenage life, whatever, like for the past decade of my life, I have like been the person to like spot like, oh, these people have chemistry and then sort of like prompt them to talk to each other, like matchmaker vibes. Like I've mm-hmm. done that over and over and over. And ironically, several of those couples are now married. So you're welcome, married couple, if you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, no, but like, that's the thing is like, even even where something was just social, even where people were just like, oh, we're just friends, you know, like right. I, I read that through a sexual lens and then mm-hmm. imbued sexuality. It like, hey, prompted like, hey, have you considered this? And they were like, Oh yeah, no, whatever, you know? Right, right. You're right. And, and like the reality is that like, we don't want to deal with our blind instinct. So we try and like, just, we just convince ourselves it'll take care of itself. Like, Oh, that's not an issue. Like it'll, it'll resolve itself. Um, Or, I mean, okay. Speaking, speaking on the other terms, like maybe your neurotic cycle, isn't just it, it'll get done. Cause that's definitely ours. But there are some people who are like, I need to figure this out. But you're you're still going to try and figure it out proactively using the two like other instincts that you have, which are not the instincts that are being presented to you. You know, like a, like no, a the, six. Go ahead. Well, no, the point is like like yes, sixes are very concerned about like figuring it out and like being prepared. Great example, mm-hmm. but like a six that is sexual blind isn't like concerned about figuring out the sexual instinct. Like the point is like, it's not like a, the, the instinct that we're blind to, it's not like a, uh, I just don't want that thing. It's like something we don't consider until it's glaringly in our face. We're mm-hmm. like, Oh, mm-hmm. that was there. Oh, I wasn't even like that literally didn't cross my mind because we're so preoccupied with the other two. Right. Right. You know what right, I'm saying? right. So like, right. it's not like the, the sexual blind six is like trying to figure out like, how do I do sexual? Like, no, they're not, they're, they're just trying to tell themselves like that's a realm of reality that doesn't exist. Yeah. And like, no, it does exist. Right. You know? And I think like that, that's what I was trying, uh, was de- like, I'm with you on that and getting in the sense that like the sixes are, are proactive, whereas maybe the seven and the two can be a little like, let things happen as they happen. But even in the sixes proactivity, they're still going to interpret even the most like sexual instinct cues through their other lenses, like even proactively. And they're still not going to get the signs. You know, it's like the instincts are like, this is, these are your resources. These are your, this is your backlog of knowledge. And this is how you interpret the world. And it's almost like you have to learn the instinct that you're repressed in because it's not the language that comes naturally to you. Yeah. Yeah. And really that that's exactly what it is. Like 
in this chunk of my life right now, I'm trying to figure out like how to like how to speak and read self-prez in a way, you know, like how do I actually structure my reality? I hate I freaking hate lists. I hate making lists. I grew up with a dad who loves lists and that's that's all like bad, great for him. You know what I'm saying? And like just lots of people I know in my life are like, I love making lists and checking things off. And I'm like, well, frankly, I don't. Like that doesn't bring me any sense of satisfaction. <laughs> it just feels constricting. And now I feel obligated. And like, I'd rather just let things happen, you know? But um, when I was talking to Anna last night about like the things that I feel like I'm struggling with, like that really just come back to like this lack of self-pres mm. functionality. Um, I, I just realized like, oh, she like the first thing she said is like, did you consider like maybe make a list about it? And I was like, no. You didn't I said I said well the reason I didn't is I usually just lose those lists whenever I do make them but that's a different issue right um but so like I made a list today for like for myself it like actually I made it last night before going to bed I was like what are the things when I go to work today like and when I'm at work what are the things I need to get done first what are the things I will allow myself to do that I won't mm. allow myself to do mm-hmm. because re- like the reality is like self-preservation demands some form of self-control like it's the it's what we use to literally control our lives to some degree mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so being self-pressed blind, there's like this, like, I don't know. It's like, like I tried to, I had a conversation with a friend semi-recently and he's self-pressed social. He's a self-pressed social nine. And he, we haven't, like, he knows about the Enneagram a little bit. He actually brought up being a nine in that conversation. It was really cute. Um, Matt, if you're listening, I love you. Um, but he was just talking about, like, we were just sort of laughing about, like, how the things that we love and value are so different. And what I was thinking about in the back of my head is that really it comes down to how we orient towards self-preservation. And so him being dominant and self-pressed, like, he was like, I honestly, like, love, like, cleaning my room and having a nice physical space to live in and all these things. And for me, it's like, oh, that just sounds so boring. Like, <laughs> it sounds threatening. Like, that's the point is, like, like it's mm. not, it doesn't feel sexually threatening the way the sexual instinct does to you but it feels threatening to the lifestyle that I'd like to continue living. And that's the point is that like, we don't want to grow. Like we don't actually want to grow. And Mm -hmm. so we would rather convince ourselves that like staying blind is the better route and that like not dealing with it and like outsourcing those issues to the other thing is like, Oh, that's like, that's what real living is like, or that's what the good life is about. But like, actually Mm -hmm. the good life happens when we, when we force ourselves out of our comfort zones and grow. But like, for me, like my comfort zone is never having to like, be tied to anything and never having any roots and like that's not really like honestly that's just inconsiderate you know because when I end up like <laughs> right. tossing all of my self-pres nonsense onto other people and being like help I don't like I don't know how to do this it's like well you didn't prepare you know like that doesn't mean I need to like suffer the consequences per se but I just need to like learn how to own my shit and say like okay yep this is what's mine to do I'm gonna do mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. um yeah that's honestly the that statement that we don't want to grow is so revealing and that's why i think partly why humans not all humans but a lot of people just don't like conflict because conflict at the core is forcing us to grow it's forcing us to say there's another way and we kind of have to wrestle with the fact that like is that way better or just an equally good way of doing it that's different than our way, which means that we have to put aside our pride and say, my way isn't the best way. There's actually a different way. And when you kind of push through conflict and say, there is, there is more than just my way, then we do grow and it, but it's not fun. It is painful and it's uncomfortable and it's threatening 
It really is. Like, that's a great word. Like, I feel that. I'm glad to hear that you feel that too in different ways, but it super feels threat threatening to the way that I live my life, the way I feel comfortable, the way I want to be asleep to things that I do that are, that are inconsiderate of others. Um, we were just, we were just talking, um, at a group I, I go to weekly and we were talking about like, what does it mean to kind of follow certain biblical command, like commands. And one of them is like, give, give everything to your enemy and treat your enemy well. And, you know, feed your enemy, give drinks to your enemy. Um, and one of my way, one of the things I thought of when we were talking about that is like, what if I'm someone's enemy? Like, what if I am that antagonist to somebody else? Right. And when you start to realize that (laughs) enemy and, and the people who are wrong are not just like other people in your life, but you're actually that person in someone else's life, it does kind of cause you to say, how can I grow and be easier to, to feed and to take care of as someone else's like antagonist in their life, you know? So interesting. That's so intriguing. And like, just think about like a growth really like growth is just a hard thing. It's a hard thing and it's never going to be any easier. Like we would like it to get easier and just like, Mm. like to delay it. But like growth is always going to be just as hard as it is today. And mm-hmm. so like, we can be like, mm, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. Like, oh, I'll, I'll actually self-preserve tomorrow. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, you won't. Like, if you're not willing to do it today, you will not tomorrow, you know? Yeah, and I that's think true. also just another note I want to make is that like, I think this topic of instincts pairs so importantly, and I think it is so structurally important to the Enneagram, but notice like, we're not even really talking about the Enneagram right now. Like what mm. we're talking about is, is a completely different theory that is so important I really believe it is so important. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like a whole different thing. And it, it shows like how people can be so different. You know what I'm saying? Like Malia and I are so similar to each other in so many ways, but like, this is such a significant difference. And there, there are other twos in my life that I love and know deeply, um, but they have different stacking than I do. And it changes things radically. So like, if you don't know your stacking, I encourage you look into it. Um, start figuring some stuff out or come to us and we'll help you figure it out. It's a different thing. But um, anywho, I wanted to talk a little bit briefly about what it is to be social blind because we're not social blind and thus we haven't talked about it at all. Um, sorry, social blind people. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, social blind. I would love, my cousin would never do this. So I, I recently learned that my favorite, um, my, my oldest cousin, she's delightful. She's a lot of fun. She's Malia's exact type structure she's seven wing six seven two eight mm-hmm. but she's social blind she's self-presexual i don't think she even knows what the enneagram is but she's just she's crazy like she she embodies all the crazy energy of malia mm-hmm. but without any sense of how she comes off to other people and so like this is not not like i think we think of social blindness like oh social blind people are just rude and like sometimes that's true but like social blindness isn't like intentional rudeness. What it is, is it's like a literal blindness or lack of awareness for what is going on relationally. Like, how do I come off to other people? How are other people perceiving me? What do like, what's the brand I have? Like, what am I, what am I promoting? Um, It's just so different. It's so important. Um, But so anyways, like just John writes about a little bit in his book, he says to have an underdeveloped social instinct is to operate from a vague notion of the social architecture of interpersonal and group situations alike. 
So making mm-hmm. efforts to connect or trying to participate in a social scene can seem taxing and lacking any clear benefit. People who are social blind value relationships, have friends, and do want to contribute toward the benefit of others, just like most people. But they have very little innate motivation to follow through. Social blinds feel like they don't always get the nuances of human emotion, even if they're quite emotional and sensitive themselves. Um, he just he just goes on to sort of express that like the social instinct is what we use to to recognize the humanness of humans. So like social is how we read how we come off to other people and how other people appear to us and what we think of them and what what is this person thinking of me and all this stuff but like when mm-hmm. you're social blind you're essentially removing the humanity of it you know what i'm saying you're taking away the the interpersonal aspect and so people who are social blind like struggle to see that they are a person to other people that has mm-hmm. social impact and then has a social role and then has something to do and something to offer other people um, and that other people have something to offer them, you know? And so like the social blind person just using self-present sexual would typically much prefer to like stay in their little cave and do their own little self-present sexual things and like, and not really like move out into the world. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess sort of like the importance for the social blind person is for them to realize that like not doing so, like being bad at social, being socially incompetent is actually not... Like it doesn't help you get resources. Like it actually compromises resources at self press mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you any sexier. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> being socially blind isn't helpful for your attractiveness level at sexual or self press And the same the same is true for like me being self press blind. You know what I'm saying? Like my own self press blindness often like comes at the expense. Like like when I don't take care of that, the cost usually comes out of sexual and social. Like my relationships. Mm-hmm. or my person, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the people in my life have to take care of the things that I have refused to take care of. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just interesting how like the things we don't want to take care of usually come back to, to bite us in the butt because we're, we're just being lazy. And that's really all it is, is that like, mm-hmm. when we learn this, like what, what, the reason I think instincts is so important is that like, when we learn it, it's, it's now up to us, like we're aware enough of what's going on that it's now up to us to choose, like, am I going to choose to be emotionally and relationally lazy about this? Or is it actually worth me investing in learning like, hmm, what are the steps I need to take for me to, I don't know, just like get better, you know, like be mm-hmm. a more functional human that loves better, that that behaves better, maybe it, like, and just has a more practical functional life, you know, all those things. I think that this stacking social, whether it's self-press first or sexual first, it's like the most... Or I guess you'd say it's the hardest to give grace to, I think. It's the easiest one to kind of be. Yeah, for me, but I, but I think just because social is like every day you interact with people or you are, you know, social is just like so hard to be last in, I feel like. Um, that, I mean, we've we've talked about this, like being sexual last is is not necessarily a confining thing to me overall you know and which is why i keep i can keep doing it right and and you know being self-pres last for you definitely hurts your person but it it still like provides people in your life to support you when you lack in that area right but social last is just like all i mean it helps me to remember that that is still an instinctual thing at the end of the day and that it can help me like give grace. And yeah, it's still real. It's not like just 
people are being really intense or or whatever or lacking social cues it's just it is an instinctual thing that they've developed over time and it allows me to be like hey i i feel that even if it's in a different way i can see where you're coming from it's easier to to kind of take that in group settings especially because social is my first and it's the thing i treasure it's like okay you're not just trying to throw off my party here you're you know you're dealing with your own instinctual pattern yeah yeah and, and and it is real. And to me, like, honestly, I think I feel the same way. Like I'm often impatient with social blind people, not, mm-hmm. not that I should be, or that it excuses it. It just can seem inconsiderate sometimes. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe it isn't considerate. Like maybe not everything is just excusable, but some of the, like a lot of the time, it's just like, they're not necessarily consciously choosing. You know what? I know, I know what other people want me to do or think of me or what I'm supposed to do or mm-hmm. what I should do. And I'm just not going to do it. Like the point is that they're just not seeing it. Like those things don't occur to them because mm-hmm. their, their instinctual focus is on other things. Mm-hmm. There just isn't right. space in their own instinctual structure to like, look at those things. Um, or at least like there isn't, unless we choose to make that space, you know, unless mm-hmm. we make, choose to like grow. One other thing I was going to, a couple of things I was going to read just so people have a, a better sense, because honestly, like I, there, there's so much I've been learning about this is that like th- things about the sexual instinct, I didn't think about like, as far as self-expression goes and like creating our own flavor and all that. And like social blind, I didn't understand too. Like it comes with this autonomy complex. Um, people who are social blind are like undervaluing the need for connection and, and like the necessity of having relationship. Um, and you get someone, you get someone like this. So John writes um, here in his book, um, when the social instinct is someone's blind spot, they can be blind to how their gifts, insight, and understanding can benefit others or fail to see how loved ones may need them to show up. There's often a complete mm. obliviousness to how benefiting others increases personal satisfaction. This is usually not out of pure selfishness, but from a place of not having the eyes to see a larger world or the implications of personal actions and interests. For social blinds, opening to the social drive feels like it means on a deep level, a compromise of autonomy narcissism around autonomy including delusions about their own self-reliance of being self-made and of their own uniqueness are common for this blind spot Mm -hmm. this can shore up an insensitivity to the perspective contribution or plight of others i think that is so intriguing to me because it's just like i have never felt that way and i'm sure you probably haven't either but like we need to we need to get some social blind people on this podcast just because it would be so Mm -hmm. fascinating i feel like to hear what it's like for them to experience that um but I mean, I have, I have some social blind people in my life who, who really are like that. And they're not trying to be selfish per se. It just doesn't occur to them. Like it's, it's almost like their world is just smaller. It's like their actual world is smaller than ours, mm-hmm. you know? And then mm-hmm. like social adds this breadth factor to what we experience and what we, um, where we put our energy and like social is going to send it outward somewhat. And I think we have, um, at least I have a lot to learn from, from people who are social blind in the sense that they are much better depth in some ways than, than I am because of their different focus. Um, Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think in review of all of the conversation about the, about the instincts, which every time we talk just gets more and more elaborate, honestly, and, and more and more insightful. The thing I, I feel like as someone who who is um we're all blind in a different area but when i think about my blind spot the thing i just wish would be more apparent in the world is just like over communication because 
that's what's happening when we're all illiterate in one way or another. We need people to tell us what's what is the sign that we're missing in a lot of ways. Um, mm. Like yeah. just in the sense of like, oh, me saying I'm hungry reminded Jack that he was hungry, right? Or or you know, you telling Anna that you were interested in her reminded, you know, just like awoke her to the fact that that was going on. And those kind of situations, um, people who are social Mm. blind being told like, Hey, could you not say that? Or, Hey, we would love to have you there. And them not even realize, Oh, I'm welcomed here. Um, when I think about being illiterate or even you know, trying to learn a new language, the best thing that could have ever happened is that someone took my hand, walked around the block and spoke entirely in the other language or, you know, that's how we learn as kids. And you just point at things and you say, this is what this is. This is what this is. Hmm. This is what this is. Hmm. And eventually you get to this point where, you know, that's what that, like you can put a sign to a signifier, but when you're illiterate and when you don't have the capability to say what is going on, and there is no communication. You can't, you can't like tell what things are. And so that, that you're just going to continue being blind. And that's why we need each other. And so if you know somebody in which we all know somebody who's blind in a different area that we are like communicate to them what, what is what, because they're not going to know unless someone loves them enough to tell them. Yeah, that is so good. That's so good. And honestly, like, I feel like that's why this topic is worth exploring because like genuinely, I feel like so much of like some of what you talked about is that like so many conflicts, honestly, primarily, like I think even more than like neurotic structure, even more than like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I learned to handle things with the seventh neurosis and you learned the sixth, you know, like whatever it might be, like even more than that, I think instincts are, they're so foundational and so much of where our energy goes that like when I'm sending all of my energy to something that you don't even see or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's going to get very frustrating, very fast to have any sort of relationship with anyone because it'll feel like, how do you not see this thing that I think about all the time? Or it'll feel like, why are you obsessed with this thing that doesn't matter at all? Like, why are you so focused Mm -hmm. on something that doesn't have any impact on our lives? And it's like, in actuality, no, it just doesn't have impact on your life. Whereas like the other person is actually like incredibly caught up in it. Exactly. And we can so easily tie our, our focus to ourselves. Why don't you, instead of why don't you care about what I care about? It's why don't you care about me? Because clearly you don't care about me because you're disrupting my priority right now. And the problem is like the reason we're making that confusion is because we are falsely identified with that instinct mm. that's dominant for us. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like what yeah. you just said is exactly what it is. It's like, we're not saying to, like, I'm not going around to this person that I love who's prioritizing self-pres I'm like why aren't you focused on the sexual instinct or like why are you why, why are you prioritizing self-pres I'm saying why don't I matter to you you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like because I'm right. oh, I'm identified with whatever it is that I'm instinctually obsessed with you know and I think that's what's so worthwhile mm-hmm. in exploring and discussing because it, it genuinely can just I, I feel like this kind of understanding of what's going on instinctually in other people and in ourselves can just give us like encourage us to give more patience and grace and understanding yeah, and help us communicate. Just like you said, like literally like humans need to learn how to communicate with each other because otherwise we're just impatient and it's, mm-hmm. and we become frustrated like, Oh, X, Y, and Z people aren't exactly like me. And therefore they don't matter mm-hmm. or they're not as good as me. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's all that stuff. And I really don't think we understood the gravity of our name until 
like I'm still understanding the gravity of it because not my type is, you know, I don't even know why it became that, but it it so is true that we are not our instincts. We are not our type. And the conflict comes and the struggles come when we, when we identify with those things and we say, not only is that my coping mechanism, but that's who I am and I can't change it. And you, you're, and, and we also identify other people as their instincts and their type. We're like, your fourness is really throwing off my sevenness right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's is, really killing my vibe. <laughs> it's really not a constructive conversation. <laughs> like, like that is not helping. Instead, we could say like, I don't see the world like you do. And I have only learned this way of seeing the world. How are you seeing the world and how am I seeing the world? And how can we see more fully when we are both given the space to communicate that? And like real, like real love in general, in general, like real love just says, like, can you help me? Can you help me see the way you see? Yeah. Because I want to actually like, I want to actually care. And the Mm. reality is like, we don't care until we have reason to care. You know, right. like we don't care if we don't understand. And that's, and I don't, it's just, I, I will take your, your real love and, and take it uh, even a step further in a different question of like, not only is it, can you, can I help you see me, but it's like, can you help me see you? Like, I want to put away my blind spots and actually not just not just put away my blind spot so that you can know me better, but how can I see you better yeah, and like see yeah, through your exactly. eyes? Um, and that is like, if we all left this conversation and said, okay, the, 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 <laughs> the answer to world peace is that I make everyone see my way better. That's not it because that's not where your autonomy can lie in this situation. Like what you can do right now is you can step away from this conversation immediately and say, who do I just like not get? Or like, who am I having an issue understanding at this moment? Or who just do I love a lot? And what can I ask them about the way that they see the world? Because you might not be always be given the space to talk, but you can always give other people the space to talk. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, I think we're done. I think this is it for now. Um, we sure gave you guys a lot yeah to talk about or think about or process or whatever sure did give me a lot yeah me too for real that was that was juicy that was good um we will continue this conversation when we have someone social blind to talk Mm -hmm. with us that's Mm -hmm. really that's what we need we need a social blind person because i actually have a friend that's self-prosexual and maybe she would join us because then we would all of our we would have all have a different blind spot I'll have a different dominant instinct. That would be very helpful. Um, But anywho, until next time, this is Jack and Malia. Uh, We're not my type. I hope you really enjoyed our podcast. We probably love you if we know you. And if we don't know you, we probably don't. But we could. Um, We could (laughs) love you. So anywho, y'all, thanks for listening. um, And you'll catch us next time. All right. Bye. Can we just read? I'm going to read you the yogi. Like the yogi is the brand of tea it is. And on the back side of that little like tea pamphlet, that's definitely not what it is, but it says, this is horrific. It says, sometimes a perfect blessing will arrive in the disguise of a mischievous intruder. (laughs) Ew.
that's that right awful. there. Wait, we need, to, we need to put that at the end of this episode. Put that in, because that is perfect. That's exactly what sexual last is. It's like it's so this gross. mischievous, <laughs> mischievous intruder is exactly what the sexual instinct is like is about. And so when you're sexual last, there's this like terrifying feeling of like being polluted. Like yeah, if or I open up the upon. boundaries. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That too. It's like, if I were to open to me, it's like, Ooh, that's interesting. Like okay, who's you know the what? mischievous intruder?